Is there a reason why you choose not to read the Bible at times? I think sometimes it's kind of boring, like to read most of, especially if you get into the Old Testament, a lot of it is just genealogies. And, and there's a lot of like really great stories in there, but you have to kind of dig a little bit in order to even get to that place. So I think sometimes it can, it can, can be a little bit of a drag in order to get to the good parts. Sometimes we just don't understand what we're reading and we're just like, what's the whole point of reading it if we don't understand? Which gives us kind of, we're just kind of bored and we're just like, not even pay attention to the words. Definitely the Old Testament, there's some parts where it's hard to get through. It definitely is boring. I, I would read a page or two and be like, okay, I, I'd rather read like a different book. <laughs> just because I don't understand it, I never got taught like being res involved in religion, so to me it's boring. Good morning, Mountain Park. Good to see you. Good to be with you today. And I just want to add a, another welcome to Pastor Jaime and Marco. So glad that you are here. We're, we're honored that you would come and join us. Uh, Jaime, we, we met, I think it was 11 years ago when I went and uh, met with you and got to see what you're doing there. And it's, a, it's just, just a tremendous ministry that you have there. One of the reasons that everybody loves Jaime, you got to understand, everybody loves Jaime. And one of the reasons that everybody loves Jaime is the same reason that everybody loves my wife. He's a smiler, okay? There, most of us, we have to use muscles in order to smile. But people like Jaime, he has to use muscles not to smile. He has to actually try to, I don't know when he would ever do that, but, but this is a well-loved man. And so we're thankful to have the ongoing relationship with you and thankful that you're here to uh, join with us today. So today, this morning, we're continuing the journey in the Bible and just being honest about the fact that, yes, we appreciate this incredible piece of literature that we have access to, but the honesty is in terms of, you know, it's difficult to, to read sometimes. It's difficult to engage with it at times. And so this morning, this message is going to be very boring. I mean, very boring. I mean, more boring than even a normal Sunday morning for me. This is probably the most boring message I've ever given in my life, and that says a lot. One of the reasons that many of us do not read Scripture is that we find it boring to read. Now, we're unlikely to use that phrase. We, we, they did in the video, but, but oftentimes we're not going to use that phrase. The number one answer people respond with when they're asked, you know, why do you not read the Bible? The number one most common answer is that I don't have enough what? time. That's the, that's the answer. That's just the thought. But that's just not true. It's not an issue of time because we all have the same amount of time in our days, the same number of times that the clock circles around on our watch, that the hand circles around. We just, it's not a time issue. It's a priority issue. If something is important, we figure it out. Very rarely do we say, I've got to go to the bathroom, but I just don't have time. We figure it out when something's important enough. Now, I'm not comparing going to the bathroom to reading Scripture. Please don't. That's not what I'm saying here. I think you understand in general what I'm saying here. Is that it's not an issue of time. It's an issue of priority. And if we believe that it is boring or that it is hard to connect with or it's not going to be applicable or whatever, we will not prioritize that time. What we're talking about today is how can we break biblical boredom? Would you bow your heads with me as we head into that? 
Father, I thank you once again uh, that we get to gather here, representatives from around the world, literally. God, you are doing so many things, beautiful things around the world, and it's an honor for us to be part of it. And in every corner of the world, the way that you have revealed yourself in an ongoing way is through the word of God, through this gift that you have provided for us, telling the story of who you are who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is. And so we are thankful for that. God, I'm thankful for any moments here this past week where where people have said, I want to read. I want to try it again. I want to jump into John chapter 6 through 10. God, I'm thankful for any moments, anything that just popped out out of Scripture. God, any moments that happened here because you showed up, we are thankful for that. And we continue for many, many more to come as we engage with you through this incredible gift you've given us. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So I want to start by just addressing why some of us might find Scripture to be boring. Why is it boring? Why, why would it go into that category? Why would we say it's not worth the time, etc.? Well, Scripture is a collection of writings from over 1,500 years. And God inspired all of Scripture But God used people as the writers, as the authors. There's over 40 different writers in Scripture. So we have many different styles that we find. Different people written over a significant amount of time. And so we have some sections, significant sections that are history. There are some sections that are really data. It's information. It's a list of numbers, etc., We have some sections that are poetry, and some people love and connect with poetry, and some people not so much. We have sections that are persuasion, particularly in the New Testament, trying to persuade a group of people that here's what this means, and here's who God is, and here's what we are to do, etc. And then, of course, the one that most of us like the most are stories. There's a lot of stories throughout Scripture, and those are the ones that most of us do not find boring. It's normally the stories, you know, that we connect with the most. But there are a number of different styles distributed uh, 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 throughout, throughout Scripture. And, and, and throughout those styles, it, it, over a long period of time, written a long time ago, it's so critical to remember, what we're dealing with is ancient literature. It is ancient writing thousands of years ago. My family and I, re- recently we sat down and we watched... The, the Breakfast Club, the movie from 1985. The reason I wanted to sit down and watch it with my family is that there are a number of references in pop culture to the movie The Breakfast Club. And so the Fuller family is nothing if not hip. Okay, so, so we wanted to make sure we were up on what's going on. I know that was like three years ago, but I'm, I'm just catching up. So, 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 the, so I wanted to make sure, you know, that we watched this, and all five of us, we watched the movie, and I remember, you know, I remember it fondly when I was younger, et cetera. We watched the movie, and all four of us looked at each other, and we said, that was so slow. You watch any of those old 80s movies, and they used to be so great or whatever, but the pacing of it is just so much slower than everything is today, that our attention spans have dramatically shifted. I think there's a brain chemistry thing going on in our culture. We're just different, but that was only 35, 36 years ago, and it, and it just feels and seems so slow. What we're talking about when we read Scripture is something that is ancient literature. Not 35 years ago, thousands of years ago. So it's no wonder that it is of a style that is a little bit difficult for us to connect with. So today what I want to do 
is I want to tackle four ways to battle biblical boredom. And I like the word battle. It's like, you know, Greg and Anna battle. We are going to go after this. How can we battle biblical boredom? And, and these are not like four steps, do this, then this, then this. It's just kind of a four ideas, maybe something will land, because boring is subjective. It's different for different people. One person's boring is another person's baseball. And so we... we we all, you know, kind of different respond to this. So my hope is I'll throw a few things out there and maybe something will land. Maybe something will be helpful to battle biblical boredom. First one is this. Remember that life itself is boring. Okay, life itself can be boring. Life itself has many elements in it that are boring. Let me kind of walk out what I mean by this. This week I invited you to read John chapter 6, 6 through 10, as well as Psalm 22 and 23. Now, I know you all read them because of what happened last week, and so you don't want that to happen again. And I think that there are some of you sitting in the room that are going, make me stand, make me stand, I am ready. I am ready, I did it, I read, and I'm ready to go this time. I won't make you do that because I want to keep you guessing. Okay, I want to kind of keep, keep you guessing here. So I know you read John chapter 6 through 10, as well as Psalm 22 and 23. Psalm 22 is known as a psalm of lament, or what I like to refer to it as a whiner psalm, okay? So here's Psalm 22, begins this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the famous words. They're written by David. These are the words that Jesus used in, in that incredible story when he was on the cross. God, why have you forsaken me? These were written by David a thousand years prior to that. Jump down to verse 6. But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. The only way I can get, you know, I can avoid boredom is with reading verses like this is if I use an English, a bad English accent. That's kind of the only way I can get through this. Because frankly, I find it boring to listen to somebody else to complain. And most of us do. Most of us do. It's not, if, I don't want to hear your story about how you had to wait on hold for an hour with the insurance company. I don't want to hear that story. I know it was miserable. I've been there before. I've had the thing, and then I come out, and I want to tell everybody about how awful it was to wait on hold for an hour with the insurance company. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I know it was a bad situation, but nobody wants to hear people complain. It's just, it's just a difficult thing to listen to. Psalm 22, come on. But then... In the very next chapter, we have some of the most beloved words, also written by David, in all of Scripture. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul, on and on. This Psalm 23 is just this beautiful picture. Psalm 22 is right next to Psalm 23. And there is a pattern in the book of Psalms. If you go to Psalm 88, you'll read this. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? And then in the very next Psalm, Psalm 89, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever with my mouth. I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. Then Psalm 102, the writer says, all day long my enemies taunt me. 
Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. And in the next Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. There's a pattern that we see over and over again. There's one, There's Psalm 22 and 23, 88, 89, 102, 103. In my observation, you win some, you lose some. And there's this repeated pattern throughout this journey, despair and hope, despair and hope, despair and hope. And that's what life is. Life itself has this rhythm. We cannot stay on the mountaintop forever. We cannot stay in the places God is good all the time, all the time. God is good all the time. God is good. If that's you, fantastic, awesome. That is fantastic. I'm I'm so happy for you. But that's not the story for most of us. Most of us have a Psalm 22 and a Psalm 88 and a Psalm 102. Most of us have experiences of complaining. Most of us have experiences in life that are just boring. In fact, a lot of life is just boring. We get through it. We have to get through this and this and this. But the beauty is that sometimes the greatest moments of life are the boring pieces. A number of years ago, my wife and I, when we were dating, we... We met in Africa, and then we, we started dating in, in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm from Western Canada, and she had never met my family. And so we decided around Christmas time we were going to make a drive from Cincinnati to Edmonton, Canada. It's a 2,000-mile drive. And in that drive, we had to drive all the way through North Dakota. <laughs> and Saskatchewan which is like 10 times North Dakota. I mean, it is the most boring drive possible. And yet, when Tammy and I look back on that drive, and we, we, we knew, we reflected, it was just the two of us for this whole drive, we both look back and we say, that was the moment where we realized we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. Because if we can enjoy That level of boredom, I'm talking North Dakota, Saskatchewan boredom, if we can enjoy that, we can do anything together. It was this sort of thing of, of, you know, if we can do the boring stuff, it just kind of catapults us into the great stuff. If we, can, if we can endure the stuff, sometimes, you know, Scripture is not going to jump out of the page for us. It's going to be difficult. But we work through that, and then we get to some of the other stuff, and boom, it's just all the more appreciated. Because large chunks of life are just, you know, boring is such a terrible word, but sometimes they just are. It's just life. It's just you got to get through this. We get through that stuff, and we can enjoy great stuff on the other end of it. All right. Second way to battle biblical boredom is to simply give it some time. And this one here requires nothing from you. There's nothing you can do about it. Not only does it not require anything, there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes it just takes time for the difficult or boring parts of Scripture to to come alive. There there, there are some parts of Scripture that it it just takes us having years under our belt or or lines from our eyes before we get to the point where it actually makes sense. When I was younger and I would try to read, you know, these psalms, it was just difficult. It was just difficult. There's so many other sections of Scripture that are easy to connect with. 
If you read John 6 through 10 this week, then it starts off with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. I mean, this is an easy story to connect with. It's a great story. And immediately after that is the story of Jesus walking on the water. I mean, these, these stories just jump off of the page. They're awesome. We could read them over and over again. They're easy stories to connect with. And yet there are large chunks of Scripture that don't feel like that. They don't read like that. And they're difficult for, to read. And for me, the Psalms of Lament, Psalms 22 and 88 and 102, and there are over 70 other Psalms of Lament. It's not, I'm not just pulling one or two there. There are long Psalms of Lament throughout the book of Psalms. And I just find them difficult to read. I find them boring. It's, ironically, I find myself whining about the, the whiny Psalms. It's just kind of difficult for me. I don't know what your section of Scripture is, but it's just difficult for me. But the older I get, the more I realize David, who wrote most of the Psalms, who wrote most of the Psalms of Lament, he wasn't a whiner. He was a leader. The, the older we get, the more responsibility we have, the more we have this sense of feeling alone. And the more likely we're going to be have moments in life where we just say, God, it feels like you have forsaken me. Some of that stuff doesn't kick in until we've lived life for a while. You know, I look at the story of the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. Moses frees them from slavery. And they wander in the desert for 40 years on a journey that should have taken them a number of months. 40 years, I read that, and I just think, this, this is ridiculous. But the older I get, the more I realize it's not that ridiculous of a story. The more stories that I hear, the more people I encounter, the more ways I walk through and I even look at my own life and, and identify some things that I have hung on to for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, things that we hang on to, behaviors, things that we should have walked away from, and we continue to wander around here in the desert for decades. The older I get, the more I realize it's not that ridiculous. Some stuff just takes time. The older I get, the more I realize the foolish kings in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament story has King David and then King Solomon and then the, the kingdom of Israel divided into the north and the south. And those kings over and over again, they just really struggled. And it says in Scripture that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And another king came and, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. These are kings who knew the story of David, knew the fact that they were in the promised land was because of a God who guided them and allowed all this to happen. They knew who God was. They knew how powerful and great God was. And yet they still decided to ignore God and go the other direction. It says they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And I read it and it's frustrating. I just think, how could these knuckleheads not get it? But the older I get, the more I realize, man, we do the same thing. We know who God is. We know what, what God is capable of and what God wants from us, and we see a path to the right and a path to the left. We know the path to the left is exactly what God wants us to take, and we find ourselves veering over here. Sometimes the stuff in Scripture that just seems frustrating or boring or whatever Sometimes it just takes time for it to assemble, for it to come alive, for it to make sense. A third way to battle biblical boredom is to separate the New Testament from the Old Testament. 
for most of us, as we saw in the video, and if I talk to most of you, it would be the Old Testament that would be the place in the Scripture that is, that is the hardest to read. So just to make sure you kind of you understand the concept that the Bible is made up of two sections. The first three quarters of the Bible is what we refer to as the Old Testament. It's the story that led up to Jesus. And then the last quarter of the Bible is the New Testament. It begins with the birth of Jesus and then all that happens after Jesus arrived on the scene. And if you're like me, then the Old Testament is the section of Scripture that is the most difficult, is the most boring, you know, perhaps, if you want to use that word. When people make fun of Scripture, they want to ridicule Scripture, they want to start sentences by saying, yeah, but, you know, the Bible says, da, 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 they're usually quoting from the Old Testament. They're usually pulling something out of the Old Testament. When we look at church history and we look at the most heinous seasons and decisions throughout church history, when we look at dark moments like the Crusades, which lasted centuries, and we look at the Inquisitions, which, which is where people were tortured to, so that they would be forced to, to align with Jesus, physically forced, they would be tortured for that. When you look at some of these things, these things are not justified by any words that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in the New Testament. You're not going to get justification for those kind of actions in the New Testament. The way you get just justification for that is by digging into the Old Testament. That's where it comes from. That's called the Old Testament. Another word for testament is the word covenant. It is the, and covenant means agreement, relationship, understanding, that, that it was the old arrangement that God had between God's people. It's the Old Testament journey versus the new covenant. The Old Testament is beautiful. It is magnificent. It is, it is amazing. It is so, there's so much in there, so many nuggets throughout that whole deal. And it sets the stage. It aligns everything and sets the stage for it's God's creation and, and, the, and the, the, the problems that the people had and, the, and how the laws didn't do what, you know, what, what we as humans think. Well, just give me a law. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's this whole journey throughout the Old Testament that we realize it's just a setup for the New Testament, for the New Covenant. So what this means is read the Old Testament. We don't get to discard it. It's there. Read the Old Testament. Understand it. Dig into it. Do what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Read summaries and commentaries and whatever you, to understand the Old Testament and enjoy it. It's a beautiful thing. But don't base how you live your life on, on the characters and the stories and the consequences and the laws in the Old Testament because that's the Old covenant. Instead, we base our lives. We decide whether we're going to go to the right or to the left. We base our lives based on the characters and the stories and the promises in the New Testament, in the new covenant that God has set up between him and us through Jesus Christ. We don't discard the Old Testament. It is the foundation of the whole story, but it is very unwise to pull something out of the Old Testament, anything out of the Old Testament, and say, this is how I live my life. It is unwise to do that. Anything in the Old Testament must go through the filter of the new covenant, of the New Testament. 
It must go through that filter. Now, if this, this piece sounds a little bit kind of a head tilt for you, and you want to explore this a little bit more. Uh, I read a book last year um, called Irresistible by Andy Stanley. And I'll just tell you, this is not a boring book. This is not a filler book where he had an idea that could have been covered in 30 pages, and then kind of the rest was filler. This, this is a book that walks this, this journey out uh, in a profound way. It's subtitled, Reclaiming the New that Jesus, unleashed, that Jesus Unleashed for the World. All right, I know we're having fun yet. I can see it on your faces. Okay, one final one. One final way to battle biblical boredom. Ask God why it's there. And this, this is really the most important one. All the rest of the stuff is, it kind of relies on your own brain and your own ability and your own understanding. And yes, we're supposed to engage with all of that. This is the supernatural part. This is the part where we read the gift that God has given us, and we just, in that journey, we just say, God, would you help me understand why this is in here? So that when you're reading the Bible, because you, you, you value it, it's important to you, and you want to dig into it, but it's frustrating when it's boring or difficult to read. When you dig into it, and there's something you don't like, or there's a section that is boring, you just pause and you say, God, 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 why is this in there? Because God, God is no fool. He's not a bad editor of his word. He didn't have writer's block when the decision was made for the book of Jeremiah to make it into the Bible. So we say, God, why is this in there? Because, it, because it's in there for a reason. Everything that's in there is in there for a reason. People say, people like to say, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. I don't think that's true. Because a whole lot of things happen simply because we're idiots. And then we blame God for it. Everything happens for a reason. No, everything, that happened because I was an idiot. But what I believe very strongly is that every verse in this book is here for a reason. Even the ones we don't like. Even the ones we wrestle with and we go, oh, I don't like that one. Even the ones that are boring. Even the long sections that are boring. Even the fact that in the book of Exodus, they describe all the details of the tabernacle. And then they describe all the details of the tabernacle again. God's not a bad editor. So we say, God, why is it in there? Why is it in there? Would you come and meet with me in this moment? Help me understand what it is that I'm reading. Do you want to battle biblical boredom? Do you want to have experiences and encounters with your creator where you sit down and you read it and it comes alive? Do you want to hear from God through the gift that he has provided to you? If so, then I say, you can. You can. My hope for this series overall, whether we tackle the confusing or the boring or the, or the stuff that just kind of seems wrong or whatever the journey might be, is that we can take another step forward saying, saying, I believe that this is a gift from God and God will reveal what he wants it to mean for me today. You can. Can we believe going forward that God will give us what we need in order to battle biblical boredom? That's my hope. Would you bow your heads with me? 
God, I thank you for the, the journey here. And I, I, I thank you for this gift. I, I confess to you, I, I've, got, I've got big chunks in my journey where I just, I, where the words just don't jump off the page. And so I, I, need, I need whatever you can provide, for, whatever tool you can put on my belt, whether it is a website or a friend or a group or, or your presence or where I read or what time of day I read, whatever tool I can put on my belt, God, I want to have an encounter with you. So God, would you allow that to happen with each and every one of us, that we would not just go home and say, I'm, I guess I'm supposed to, but God, we would have an encounter with you through this gift that you've given us. Give us the tools we need to experience you in the way that we need. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.